love each other. It's wonderful. That's a great thing. We are in the house of God with the family of God. Amen? Amen. And it is a pleasure to be here and to worship with you guys uh, this morning. I got to give a special shout out though this morning. Uh, two friends of my wife and I have come in and flew in from Denver this weekend uh, to support us. And so Dustin, Janelle, just stand up, stand up. I want to, I know you hate it. They came all the way from Denver just to support us. That's just how amazing they are. Incredible friends. And we've been having fun hosting them this weekend. So, and we took them to some good KC barbecue last night. Let's go. Uh, so that was awesome. Went to Joe's KC barbecue last night. Wonderful, beautiful. Um, I will say though, jousting pigs here in Liberty is legit. So, uh, and I had their ribs the other night and oh, oh, it's glorious. It's glorious. Uh, I just could feel the presence of God in those ribs. <laughs> God, fills, God fills all things everywhere with himself, right? Especially ribs. Awesome. <laughs> well, I have a question for you guys. How many of you guys have ever seen the movie Rudy? How many of you guys have seen the movie Rudy? It's a classic. It's awesome. If you like sports, it is a wonderful movie. <laughs> Some of the ladies are like, no, no, I'm not going to watch a sports movie. But um, it's a great, there it is, Rudy right there. That's an actual picture of the real guy. Um, it's a true story. But the, the whole movie is about this kid. He grows up and he loves Notre Dame football, like the fighting Irish. And he wants to play. That's his dream. And so all throughout his childhood, he's playing football, pretending to be different players. He plays in high school and, and just gives his whole heart to it. But the problem was that he was a little dude. You know, he was small. And so playing football on the professional level probably was not going to happen. He was just, he just wasn't a giant. Like those guys are giants, you know, um, or they're insanely fast. So he was neither, but all of his coaches loved him. They just loved this guy and all of his teammates loved him because they kept saying, man, he has heart. This kid just has heart. He doesn't have a ton of skill. Doesn't have a ton of ability, but man, he just puts his whole heart into it. And so Rudy, he, he, he wanted to pursue his dream for playing for Notre Dame. So he does all of this stuff and goes out of his way, finds his way into Notre Dame, into the college. He tries to walk on to the team and he shows up and he bothers the coach just week after week. Hey coach, hey, can I, can I try out for the team? Hey, can I be a part of the team? And the guy's like, just go away, you're so annoying. Who is this little kid? No, look at you, you'll die, you know? You'll get hit and you'll be crushed. But he just kept 
going after him, pursuing him. Finally, the coach is like, all right, it's your own funeral. I mean, <laughs> you are going to be crushed out there. And so sure enough, he shows up. He's on the practice squad, and he is getting smothered. I mean, just beat up every time he shows up to practice. But he keeps showing up, and he keeps doing it. And he just has so much grit and so much heart. And so everyone just loves him. And finally, the whole team... Uh, goes to the coach on the final game of their senior year, and they say, hey, can Rudy dress for the game? Because he never went to a game. He was just on the practice squad. And so the whole team rallies around him. He dresses for his game. His dream comes true, walks out of the tunnel. He actually gets to play a play, and he makes a great play, and the whole stadium is chanting, Rudy, Rudy, because of his heart. And he had this incredible heart for football and for his dream. And so what, what does that mean when people say, man, you got a lot of heart? Or they put their heart into it. Well, for Rudy, he put everything all in. His, his emotions, his, his mental life, everything was surrounded and oriented around this dream. His whole heart was in it. And you can see the difference when someone puts their heart in something, right? And when they don't. Like you can tell the difference. There is a flourishing. There is, there is this fruitfulness that comes when we invest our heart into something. And I believe the same is true in our relationship with Jesus. When we give our hearts to him, which is a very vulnerable thing, it's, it's a lot. And we invite God into those deep places within our heart. And we love him with all of our heart. And there's a flourishing that comes in our lives and our hearts are awakened to him, his truth, his love, his presence, his voice in our lives. So the title of my message this morning is Matters of the Heart. Matters of the Heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we invite you to speak. Lord, I pray that it'll be your words, not my own. God, uh, we want to hear from you. Lord, and I just pray that your word will be, will fall into good ground in our hearts, will receive your truth, and that it will bear fruit that remains. You are so good, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, we're going to continue in our series this morning that we started last week called Axis, Jesus at the Center. So Jesus is that invisible line from which our entire life revolves around him. So we talked about the wagon wheel, right? With solitude in the center, the hub of the wheel, our relationship with the Lord. We are fully known and fully loved by God. And then from there, we reach out to community where we can have the courage to be fully known and fully loved by a group of people and authentic relationships, and then from there we have the courage to go out and reach and love the world and be present to people and fully engage with them even in their brokenness. And so we're diving into the love of God and how we love God, how we cultivate that relationship with him. Last week we talked about receiving love from God, that it all starts there. That is the foundation, that we love him because he first loved us. And so we create space in our lives to receive from his incredible love for us. And our base text for the series is Mark chapter 12, verse 28. We're going to read that. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? 
The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So today we're going to look at loving God with all of our heart. All of our heart, putting our heart into it. So what does the heart mean? Biblically, what what does that word mean in the Bible? Well, it has a number of different definitions throughout the Bible. The heart means the center of physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual life. The heart can mean the intellect. Like the verse that says a man thinks in his heart. So it can be referring to the intellectual life. It can refer to the moral life. So the center of, of morality or conscience. Um, it can also refer to the dwelling place of God in the spirit, that, that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith, and the spirit of God dwells within us, within our hearts. But this particular passage in the Greek is the Greek word cardia, which figuratively used is the seat of the emotions and or the seat of thought. Well, I think it's safe to say in this passage, Jesus says heart and mind separately. So it's probably not referring to the seat of our thought since he refers to our mind. So it's safe to assume he's talking about the seat of our emotions. Ooh, dangerous. Ooh, the emotions. The seat of our emotions. Loving God with all of our emotions and our feelings. Emotions can be thought of as something Bad, not good. Don't be led by your emotions. Man, emotions are volatile. Your feelings go up and down. How many know that's true? How in one day you can literally experience the entire array of emotions that are in the human heart, right? Our emotions can run wild for sure. And the Bible even refers to that in Jeremiah 17, 9. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it, right? It's, it, it can go crazy. Our emotions feel so many different directions, right? But what did Jesus do with our hearts? Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19 says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. The Bible says that when we accept Christ, we become a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. So God renews our hearts and gives us a new heart, right? And and why does he do that? Why does God want, why does he pay so much attention to the heart, Why does he want our hearts to come alive? What is the reason for that? Jeremiah 24, 7 says, I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? See God. Woo, man, I want to see him. I want to experience 
everything he is. I want to know him personally. The love that passes knowledge, Ephesians 3, right? That Christ will dwell in our hearts by faith that we might know the love of God, the height, the depth, the length, the width of his love. That we might know the love of God that passes knowledge so that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Man, that is exciting. Wow. Filled with the fullness of God. Emotions are meant to be part of our experience with God. See, we're made in God's image and God has emotions. You look in the word. There's plenty of times where God was angry. Very much so. Plenty of times where God was rejoicing or joyful. The Bible says he dances over us with joy. There's plenty of times where he was sad and his heart was broken and he was grieved. The spirit of God is grieved. God has emotions. We're made in his image. And so that's part of our experience with him is our emotions are involved in how we experience the fullness of who God is. And the thing is, though, when we give our heart to someone, that's vulnerable. When you choose to invest your heart into a person, you're putting something on the line that's dear to you. And many of you have experienced giving your heart to a person or to a thing, and then it's been abused. And that's dangerous. It's scary. And so we guard our hearts. And we don't want to engage our emotions because we're afraid of being wounded again. But the amazing thing about the Lord is this. God gave his heart to us first, so then we could trust him with ours. He first gave his heart to us. And he says, see, you can trust me with yours. And he gives it. You know what's amazing? Is God's given his heart to me, and there's been times where I've trampled it with my choices and the things that I've done. But guess what he does? He gives it to me again. And he keeps giving it to me. Now here, take my heart. And I abuse it. Here, take my heart. Take my heart, take my heart, take my heart. God constantly is giving us his unconditional, unfailing love, offering us the most vulnerable part of who he is because of how much he loves us. He's offering our, his heart so we can trust him with ours. So let's look at the heart of God. Let's, let's look at the father heart of God. Woo, this is exciting. Luke 15. This is one of my favorite parables. One of my favorite parables. You guys excited? All right, all right, here we go. (laughs) Luke 15, verse 11. The, The story of the prodigal son, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Let's not go into details about what wild living is. We'll just say that it wasn't good. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, 
but no one gave him anything. That is desperate. Have you seen pig slop? That's gross. And he wants to eat it. He's like, I, that looks so good to me. Pig slop. Then, verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he prepared a speech, his, his repentance speech for his father. So he got up his courage. He's like, okay. So he got up went to his father, verse 20. But, buts in the Bible are always pretty exciting things. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, his speech, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, he interrupted him, says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. This is the father heart of God. The son turns, he says, he just turns and gives his attention, and he's like, okay, I'm going, I'm going to come back. That's all it takes. We just acknowledge, I'm going to come back to the father. And what does the father do? He sees him from afar off, and it says that he's filled with compassion. Filled with compassion. That word compassion means to be affected deeply in one's inner being. He was filled with compassion for his son. And it says he ran. Now, we're talking about an old man. Okay? This is an older gentleman is from what, what we can tell. So an older man. Yeah, he, he's good. Maybe he's got his walker, you know, I don't know. But he is running. To his son. He doesn't wait for his son to come to him. He runs to him. And then he falls. The, another translation says he falls on his neck. Falls on his neck. He embraces. He just, boom. Father hug and just, I can just imagine him weeping and crying and kissing his son. His son was not ready for that. <laughs> he wasn't expecting that response. So his son tries to like give the speech he's prepared. Oh, yeah, Father. So I just, I have sinned before heaven and before you. Hey, bring out the best robe. He just interrupts him. It's like, no, bring the best robe. Put it on my son. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet and let's celebrate. This is the father heart of God. He sees us coming even from afar, even when we're far off. And we've trampled his heart under our feet with the way we've lived. He still sees us. And he's moved with compassion. 
And then he runs to us. As soon as we turn to him, as soon as we turn, he runs to us. And he meets us. And he embraces us. And he weeps over us. And he kisses us. And he holds us. And he restores us. New clothes a robe of righteousness, the authority of Christ, the preparation of the gospel of peace on our feet, a robe, a ring, and a Reebok. (laughs) And he gives that to us. What What did the son do? He turned. He started to go home. That's it. The father took care of everything else. No matter how many times or how far we've gone, he meets us there. His compassion, his love meets us. The Father gives us his heart first. Isn't that awesome? That was, I don't know about you, but I think that was an emotional response by the Father. I think he was a little emotional about that. Running, falling on him. He's, he is pouring out his heart to his son. So how do we respond to this? How do we respond to this incredible love? Remember, God doesn't ask us to do anything that he's not willing to do for us first. And he doesn't ask us to do something that he won't equip us for. And so when God says, love me with all your heart, guess what? He's loved us with all of his heart first. And he's poured it out in our our lives. And so that gives us the grace and the ability to then respond with trust and with our hearts to him. So how do we respond? I think the perfect person to look at is David in the Bible. Because the Bible says that David was a man after his God's own heart. God said that himself over David. Meaning their hearts were aligned. David's a man after my heart. They're in alignment. So let's look at the example of David of what it looks like to love God wholeheartedly. With all of our heart. First of all, number one we see in David's example is worship without restraint. Worship without restraint. Allowing our emotions to be a part of our worship. 2 Samuel chapter 6. So at this point what's happening is David is bringing in the Ark of the Covenant, which is God's literal presence into the city. He's super excited. He's wanted God to dwell in the middle of the city of Jerusalem. So they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant in, and David is worshiping God as they bring in the Ark. In in chapter 6, verse 14 says, Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. I mean, he's a warrior, and he's dancing with all his might. I don't even know. I don't even know if I want to know what that looks like. That's intense. So he's worshiping the Lord, dancing before him with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark with shouts and sounds of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. So he's dancing, just worshiping God. And then he comes into the house and his wife's like, you know what you're doing out there? It was so embarrassing. And I don't know if she said it like that, but I'm just imagining. So she's got some, she's a little spicy, right? And she's like, I can't believe you are the king of Israel. And you were out there dancing and leaping around like a little kid. 
that is ridiculous. That is so embarrassing to me. And so she's, she's getting on to him. And then verse 22, he says, <laughs> he says to her, I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Meaning I am, I'm going to worship God with all of my heart. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what anyone thinks. It's not about me. It's not about them. It's about him. I'm going to give him my all. So when we experience this love of God, this incredible love, our hearts get so full of gratitude. There's just something in us where we're just so grateful as we think about the love of God. And then we just want to kind of burst. It wants to come out. And so what do we do? Just let go. Let go, let that, whatever's in your heart, whatever gratitude that is, and listen, it's gonna look different for every person. We're all created differently. Some people are more emotional, more expressive. Some people are less. It doesn't matter. The point is, is just not holding anything back. Not purposely restraining something from the Lord, but giving him our full heart, the whole gamut of our emotional strength to the Lord. And we let go. Passion, unrestrained emotion. Now that's dangerous, right? Not if it's inspired by the grace and love of Jesus. We don't want to be led by our emotions. We're not being led by our emotions. We're being led by the spirit of God in us and the truth of God's incredible and unconditional love for us. That's what's leading us to worship without restraint and with our heart. Look at some of the things David said in the Psalms. This is so cool. We're just going to run through these real quick. Psalms 103.1, praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Psalms 95, oh come, let us sing to the Lord, let us shout joyfully to the rock of salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms, for the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. Oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Psalms 111, praise the Lord, I will extol the Lord with with all my heart in the council and of the upright and in the assembly. Psalms 100, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Psalms 34, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. Man, David would, you would, you read in the Psalms, he would tell the mountains and the oceans to cry out to God and worship. He's like, come on mountains, come on stones and grass and deer and let's all worship together. He was just so in love with Jesus and in awe of who he was. He worshiped without restraint. So that's number one. Number two we see in the life of David is honesty and vulnerability without restraint. And this is with the Lord, not just with anyone, but this is with the Lord, inviting God into all of your emotions and your feelings. 
And this starts with allowing ourselves to feel. Again, I think sometimes in our lives, because of experiences we've had where our heart has been abused, we've portioned off our feelings and we haven't allowed ourselves to feel because we're afraid of getting hurt again. But God is a refuge. He's a strong tower and he's a safe place. We have to be kind to our heart. Allow ourselves to feel. Look at what David said in Psalms 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I, when can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. David's just, he's telling God, he's allowing himself to feel. Right now, he feels, it feels like God is far. People are saying, where's your God now? His heart is sad. His, he's saying, there's times in, in the Psalms where he says that my bed is wet with tears. I'm just crying before the Lord because I feel like I'm alone. He, was, he allowed himself to feel but then he invited God into those feelings. John Eldred said this. He was talking about Jesus. He, Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus seems to assume that it's possible for us to govern our emotions, even in frightening or heartbreaking circumstances. He never tells us to ignore our feelings, not at all. Jesus expressed a wide range of emotions. When he says, do not let, he's assuring us that we play an active role in shepherding our emotional life. So in God's presence is the safe place where we can allow ourselves to feel. Hebrews 10.22 says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, with our hearts sincere meaning everything that we're actually feeling. We also have to be honest with ourselves, so we allow ourselves to feel, but then we've got to be honest with ourselves first. Before we can be honest with God, we've got to be honest with ourselves. It means we have to acknowledge what it is that we're feeling, name that as best as we can, and then own that, like, I, I own this. I am feeling this way. Now listen, that doesn't mean that we believe that it's true. You can feel something that you don't necessarily believe. Like I felt, like I said last week, there's times where I felt like God was far from me, but I knew that that's not true. I just felt that. But I could be honest with myself and honest with God in that. But we need to be honest with ourselves so that we can invite God into those places that are real, that are genuine. We have to be honest with what it is that we're feeling. John Eldred said this again, we honor our emotions by acknowledging them and giving them a voice, but we shepherd our emotions when we don't let them drive the bus. So we honor them, we give them a voice, but then we allow the spirit of God and Jesus to shepherd our hearts. And then once we allow ourselves to feel, we are honest with ourselves and then we need to be honest with God. Tell God how you feel and then invite him in. 
tell God how you feel because honesty is an invitation. When we are honest with a person about something, we are inviting them into a vulnerable place of our heart. We're inviting them into that place. And so the same goes for God. When we are honest with God, we tell him what we're actually feeling, what's going on in our hearts. We've acknowledged him. We're like, God, I just, I feel, and David did this all the time. God, I just feel like you're far away from me. Like I feel this, I feel that. But we're inviting God into an intimate place of our heart. A lot of times we feel before we think. How many of you guys have been anxious about something here, but you didn't know what it was? Right? Like you're like, I, I don't know. I feel anxious. I don't know why, but I feel it. Our hearts get before our heads sometimes. And that's why it's so important to pay attention to our heart. Because God could be doing something there, or there could be something that's wounded that needs healing. And so when we pay attention to that, and we're honest with ourselves, and then we are honest with God, God, this is just how I feel, then we're opening up our heart, and we're inviting God into those deep places, and to do what only he can do. And he says that he came to heal the brokenhearted. But how can God heal if we aren't inviting him into that place and surrendering that to him? Hebrews 4 says that we have a high priest who understands our weakness. He has compassion because he was a man and he lived and he knows our weaknesses and he understands and he has compassion on us. So we invite God in. So we tell God how we feel and we invite him in. And David goes on to say in, in Psalms 42, my soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. From the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves are, and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. So we invite God, we, we're honest, and we say, God, come be Lord here in this place in my heart. Lord, come heal here. I'm going to be honest with you, God. This is what I'm feeling. I'm inviting you in. And then lastly, we let go. We invite God in, and then we let go. We put our heart in his hands. And this is what I want to close with. He says, cast your cares upon me. Cast your cares upon the Lord for he cares for you. Jesus said, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And when our hearts are heavy, when they're broken, and that is weary, that, that wears us down, but we can come to Jesus. He wants to give us rest. We can trust him with our hearts because he's already given us his. We can put our vulnerable hearts in the hands of a loving Jesus. Verse 5 and 42 says, my, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. 
So this is how we can love God with all of our hearts. Like David, we can worship without restraint. We cannot hold anything back in the way we respond to his great love for us. And then we invite God in to every nook and cranny of our heart, every wound, every place. We can invite him in. Now, this doesn't happen overnight. I'm not saying like we're just like going to have one moment with the Lord and then suddenly, oh, all of our wounds and all of our past is healed. No, it takes time. And it takes us time to acknowledge those places and invite God in. Now, God can do it in a moment. And I've seen that happen. God can. He can restore us in a moment's notice. He's able. He's powerful. But we don't, we don't want to get down on ourselves if it takes some time. And sometimes that means we need to go to a Christian counselor. We need to go to, to a professional and walk with them through some of these wounds in our heart. But if we could just start here. Worship without restraint. What's great is the person you're inviting in, that person that you're inviting into the deep places of your heart, he's that loving father that embraces you and weeps over you and dances over you. So he's worthy of our trust. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to close with a song of worship. And I just want us to take a moment and, and just invite God in. Just invite God in to a deep place. What are you feeling? Take a moment and ask the Lord, God, what's in my heart? What is, maybe there's been an anxiety. Maybe there's been something that's been going on. And you want to invite God into that deep place. I invite you to do that. Can you guys just stand to your feet with me? So we're going to take a moment. We're going to sing this song again. And just right where you are, just close your eyes, get alone with the Lord. And then just invite Jesus in, invite him into those places as we worship.
you, God, that you respond. Lord, when we invite you in, you come in, you heal, and you restore, Lord Jesus. Lord, we are honored by your presence here this morning. Lord God, we give our hearts to you. God, be with us, Lord, as we go into our weeks. Lord, and every day, I pray you'll give us grace to create space, Lord, to worship with all of our heart without restraint. Lord God, and to invite you in, we're out to the deep places, God. We love you and we honor you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming out this morning. We love you guys. And next week we'll continue. We're going to be diving into loving God with our mind. So next week we're going to dive into that. Love you guys. See you next week.